This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 43 of the Boy Young Boy podcast. I'm your host, Salvatore Stefanelli, and today we have a uh, rink-a-dink of a guest. Oh, wait. No, hold on, hold on. Wait. Wait. I'm being told this is not the Boy Young Boy podcast. Okay, so let me get this straight. Okay, but I am your host, at least for this episode. You are listening to the Backyard Banter podcast, as you usually are. Uh, I'm your guest co-host today, and that's because our guest for this episode is your regular host, Matt Harmon. So let's welcome Matt to his own show. Matt, welcome, and thanks for uh, allowing yourself to be interviewed for a show that's named after you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing great, Sal. It's weird to be on the other end of the, uh, of the podcast. When I started the recording, my first instinct was to immediately jump into the intro. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I really want to thank you for one to being uh, for agreeing to be the one to do this, uh, this at uh, this episode with me, Joe, you know, it, it's it, this podcast has been such a fun experience and now we're going to do the least fun thing for me which is to do an episode on myself so uh but it, it's something that a lot of people asked for uh for really from the beginning of this episode which is, uh, means a lot to me that people are interested in, in my side of the story so i i get to do the weird part of of letting go of control of my own podcast which is hard enough for me no, one thing we've learned is that you are the man of the people you will listen to everything everybody has to say so of course you had to do this episode that they wanted no, there's no ego in Matt Harmon. Oh, that is not true. <laughs> that is confirmed false. But I appreciate you continuing to always see the best in me. I'm sure like most people who've been listening to your podcast have enjoyed it. Uh, they like hearing about all the stories of people, how they came up through the ranks of the writing world. And I do want to say before we get into this that it is an honor to be the one that gets to interview the Matt Harmon. Because I remember when you were just Matt Harmon. I mean that, but that's that is really why I wanted you to do this because, and, and we'll talk about talk about that obviously at some point on the show. You know, you were the first person Sal that ever uh, like reached out to me on Twitter and was like, "Hey, you're really good at this. You should uh, you should actually just keep doing it and have confidence in yourself and and you this could be your thing someday." You know, you, you were the first person that ever really noticed me and propped me up, and I've adopted a lot of of that philosophy from you. And so I thought, I mean, for, for a number of different reasons, but that being the key one, uh, that you were a perfect person to, uh, to do this for, for me. So, I mean, it's all the thanks to you for a number of different reasons, but even just agreeing to do this. So, I mean, that's two, the, here's the, the show bumper, um, go after your dreams. Always listen to Sal, the Matt Harmon episode of the backyard banter podcast. We can can stop now. Yeah, no, just hit cut right there. All right, so since this is an interview show, I guess I do have to ask some questions. So we'll get it started like you normally do, ease people into it. So, no, 
Um, just tell the audience, how did you get the football bug and how did that transition into a career writing about football and fantasy? Yeah, so it's funny to think about football in my life because I did not start out at like a, as a at a young age really liking football. I was my primary interest, I would say, as a as a as a youth or or like I would say that the first time I really became interested in football was actually my sophomore year of no, excuse me, maybe even going into my junior year of high school. Well, that was. Uh, like last was year. So yeah, so last year, no, uh, that, that was, I would say that is actually like 2000, it was the 2007 season. So whenever that was, um, my, my best friend, uh, a, to be in a fantasy football league, or, or I should say at first, she's like, hey, look, we need you to be in this league. We need to fill this extra spot. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't know anything about football. Like I'm not interested in playing fantasy. This sounds dumb. So it's ironic that that's now my career, but <laughs> so I ended, I ended up agreeing to to be in the league and I had honestly like the worst draft I could imagine. I've talked about this before, but like I drafted my second quarterback before I drafted my second wide receiver Um, by dumb luck, ended up getting good seasons out of guys like Jamal Lewis with the Browns and uh, Jeff Garcia and Joey Galloway with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, but I don't know what it was, but something about prepping for that draft, because I've always been the type of person when I love something, I love something, you know, even when I was a, when I was a kid, like whatever this, the, the, the fad was for me at the time, I was 150% like involved in it. So if it was like Lord of the Rings, I had every single Lord of the Rings toy, every single Lord of the Rings shirt. I watched the movies day after day after day, same thing with like Star Wars and all that sort of stuff. Like I would just get completely inundated in things. And, and I think that's what happened with football. Like I mean, preparing for the fantasy draft, I started playing like Madden, getting to know players and Somehow it just happened, and then like not but a year later, I, that was like my thing, and it just never really, it just never really left, and like I always like wanted more from it, you know, and get further and further involved. So I started listening to podcasts like uh, the Football Today podcast on ESPN with um, like Matt Williamson and Ross Tucker. Uh, those guys were like they were they were some of the first ones doing like a real regular podcast that I was into. And then that led me to finding um, when Matt Williamson was on the audible with Sigmund Bloom on the couch. Then I found Sigmund and football. Guys, and then it was all holy shit. Like I want to think about football. Like these guys think about football. So really like it's crazy. It's crazy to now think that, that these people I'm talking about, I'm like associated with and I'm like friends with, especially Sigmund and I are really tight, but like, this is that's how it started for me was just getting into a fantasy league and being like this is something I really like I mean I'd always kind of followed football and was just like baseline interested in the sport but not really uh not really like I never could have expected this to have like to be it to be such a major part of my life so really that's I guess the story my background story of, of football you know, it's always interesting hearing people on this podcast when you ask them that question and the number of people that have said Madden or said they were obsessed with it at, at a young age. And you kind of, you know, once you get into this industry, you realize just how much of an obsession it is to research fantasy football, research about football stats, write about fantasy football every day. And no, I mean, it's been tabbed to sickness by some people, but <laughs> to outsiders that might not be in this industry, it, you know, they kind of wonder, like, how can you do that every day? Don't you get sick of the same stuff over and over again? And when you say no, that's when you realize you're in this industry. Right. Like this. So I, today I put up 
the Todd girl um, about why I thought, you know, oh, I don't think he's a top five pick in fantasy. And that all started like I had been thinking I didn't really like the idea just on a baseline level of his projection this year in the Rams offense and being a top five pick. But so Saturday night, I was just sitting around like looking at some correlations between running backs. I'm like, what am I doing? It's a Saturday night. I'm looking at like, (laughs) I'm looking at fantasy numbers. And then like, but that spawned the article. And then that was that, but that's, so that's a perfect example of like, yeah, just having that sickness and, and what it grows into. And, and Madden was totally a part of that, like playing franchise mode, um, on Madden, I've talked about this on a few other people's episodes. Like, I was totally the guy that my friends would come through or my parents would come through while I was playing and be like, Are you ever going to actually play any games? Because I was just so obsessed with like making trades in the offseason and the draft and all that. And so that really kind of spawned my sickness because as much as I was enjoying doing it in this fake world, I was that much more interested in like what the teams were doing in, in real life. You know, it's it's kind of cool that, you know, we took a game when we were kids and now we're just playing a different game, even if we're like in our 20s or 30s. Oh, yeah. Or we're just, play, uh, that's why I say all the time, like I'm uh, I'm playing, like we play make-believe at work all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you, know, you mentioned earlier how, you know, you can't believe that you are where you are now. So like, I uh, you know most people who know your story, you know, might not know everything about your story because, you know, you got to keep something behind the curtain. Uh, we know your fantasy writing journey has been one that, you know, inspiration triumphed for, like, many that have seen you rise up the ranks. You know, he went from a guy that very few people knew about to one that was featured on prominent sites like uh, Football Guys, Washington Post. Uh, you know, not everyone in this industry is lucky enough to be in the position that you are, especially not rise up the ranks as quickly as you did. So for every Matt Harmon, NFL.com slash garbage writer out there, there are hundreds of people struggling to make – some sort of noticeable dent uh, for the people listening out there who are attempting to grind out a career in this industry, you know, and make a mark like you did. What advice can you give them in terms of dealing with failure and to keep chugging along? Yeah, so I'll just kind of take that and and run into what started me even writing about football. So obviously, I, I I've said this before. I love to write. I mean, I I have just always had an obsession with writing even when I didn't really know it is like a, in high school or anything like I always kind of really enjoyed writing to just to write and just express thoughts that way I would write these like long letters to um like my high school girlfriend and stuff like that even when it wasn't necessary and she loved I mean she obviously she she loved that but uh I, I, would, I would I just really love to express myself through through written word and when I got to college, I'd always been kind of an underachiever in terms of like education. And even my first two years of college, I didn't really give a shit that much about school or anything, but it was about like my junior year. I got really obsessed with, um, with, with my degree in sociology and studying social theory. And so I had intended to, I had started creating a, a, a pretty in-depth, uh, research project and it ended up being, on uh, which is ironic i spent so much time on it now was on the presentation of self on twitter essentially like taking old social theories from like the 1970s and reimagining them for the digital age and it was a it was a really good it was a really good theory i thought that i was working through and i was actually intending to go get a phd after school uh so this was about this was 2013 
And so I graduated college. I'd fully intended to just kind of get some experience in like actually working in the real world. And I took a job going back to uh, that, that took me back that ended up taking me back to Lynchburg, the town where I went to school and graduated from graduated college from. So I was spent, I was ended up spending another year uh, there. And, you know, there were some other variables in that, that, that made that decision look very good. But so that ended up really being um, a disaster. My, my life kind of, my personal life fell apart completely. And uh, I ended up, yeah, I talked about this in like my weight loss story and everything, but that was just the, like the darkest chapter. I, so this was a, like the fall of 2000, August to really like December 2013 was just a horrific time. I mean, I was struggling with depression, with, um, with a lot of different things. And, uh, and I, I, I was really just lost like as a, as a person, you know, I was 20, I was 22 years old. Um, and was just like completely, I I just didn't know how else to describe myself other than like, I was completely lost. Um, but again, I always loved writing. And at that, that's a, that's, that's at the same time that I started backyard banter, like the web, the original website, uh, and was like really putting all my time into it just because I needed something to like literally survive because I was, I was just in, I was at like my wits end of, of life. And for a number of different reasons, just felt like I couldn't go on anymore. But the more I started, like, so I started like studying on, on all these football concepts and just putting all my attention into this because I didn't have, I literally didn't have anything else to really fall back on. The job that I took was terrible. Um, the just life in general was awful. So I, so I ended up starting, starting the website there. And that's around the time, like I started to get involved on, on Twitter through the account that I'm running now still. And like, that's when I met like you guys and everything. And, you know, things kind of started from there. So I, I guess my first piece of advice is like, really just love this. And I think that that's to me. Um, so I, I don't really know that didn't really answer your question, but I think that's really the most important part of the start to my story is like that this really came out of just this horrible, like shitty time in my life. Uh, so I would say like the first thing that's really important is just to like really love it. Yeah. No, no. Like you lived through that darkest timeline and you, you know, found a release that you can put your heart and soul into it to kind of, I would, I wouldn't say stop thinking about what, you know, your personal life was like, but to focus on something else that could kind of get you out of those dark depths of where you were at the time. And you kind of you know for some people who are in this industry nowadays, they kind of realize just how hard it is to balance a personal life and being a full-time or even a part-time fantasy writer. You know, it's not easy. You kind of went the opposite way. You didn't you know you were in the industry yet, but you needed something to you know, uplift you to get you out of your funk. So you put your heart and your soul into just starting this blog about fantasy football, about football stats. And little by little, it kind of got you out there to where eventually you are now. So for people out there that are struggling, you know, to try and balance you know, their personal life and their pers- their personal life and their professional life in this industry, you know, you know, some get in too deep, others focus on their personal life, some just kind of just let fantasy go by the wayside and becomes more of a hobby. Uh, do you find that yourself struggling with that balance now where you're at after having gone through kind of the opposite? Um. I think always uh, I'm always going to probably struggle with it a little bit. And I think that that's something that can be good and bad. 
Um, so like right now I'm in a, in just a really weird place. I would say in terms of like my, like I've told me, if you listen to this podcast, you've heard me bitch about my dating life <laughs> more than, more than a few times. Um, and I, I always have kind of struggled with like how to, how to put other things before work. Um, like relationships is a perfect example. Um, I, I don't really know how to prioritize another person over my work because I'm so like obsessed. I'm obsessed with this in a good way, you know, when it comes to football and wanting to be the best, like wanting to be good at it. Um, I, I don't want to ever lose my pace, I guess I would say. So I, I really, I try to like never slow down. And so that can be a struggle sometimes like letting other people in or, or just knowing when to make time for something else. But it's so important to, you know, to take a step back. And I think the biggest thing for me in doing that is like never really giving up on, um, never really giving up on a social life, you know? And like, I'm, I'm very lucky to be out here in LA now where I've moved across the country, but I have a really good group of friends out here and like making time to, to do things with them. And especially like fitness as well. That's something that obviously is a big part of my life. Uh, and so like, I never compromise for that, even if it's going to, even if I take like an hour and a half out of the day where I could be looking up something for football or, you know, do it, writing an article or, or doing another player for reception perception, I, I don't want to sacrifice the time to take care of myself. And that is really, I think one of the most important things is like, you have to be, you have to be in good condition as a human being in order for your work to shine through and like you can't lose track of that so I, I i would say that's something that's really important and struggling through um balance is is a big deal like i was joke like again just back to my back to my dating life every girl that i've really been with seriously since i started um started really doing this football thing has always been like well, aren't you like, don't you wish I was into football more? Don't you wish that was a thing I liked? And I'm like, no, I don't. Because like I do football, all, especially now uh, it's my job. Like I do football all day. I think about football all the time. I'm on Twitter talking about football. It's good to have somebody that you can relate to on a different level and that you like, that's not a part of your relationship. So maintain those other interests, like be, be a well-rounded person. Like, you know, that's, that's something that I think really helps me too. Yeah, and plus you live with somebody you work with, and I'm sure you guys don't talk about football once you get out of the office all day long. You need something else to just know clear mind of that day job. No, yeah, that's that's true. Like Alex and I will talk about football for sure, but there's a lot of other things that we riff on. You know, I mean, if we're a few there, like if we go onto the football tangent, like we might like almost black out for an hour and be like, oh, we talked about a thousand football things. Like that is certainly possible. But that's always something funny. Like when I was driving across the country recently on the road trip and like I stayed with Waldman and, and Sigmund, like people would, would constantly tweet at us when I would be like, oh man, I wish I was a fly on the wall right now. Listen to you guys talk about football. And I'm like, probably talked about football, like combined between the two of them, like 15 minutes total. Like, believe me, Sigmund and I talk about, talked about everything under the sun possible, but I think we probably talked about, we had like one football related conversation about Michael Thomas and Willie Sneed for about 15 minutes and that was it, you know? Uh, so like I said, it's important to like be well-rounded in those relationships in my opinion. 
I mean, so you mentioned you've had some trouble with the ladies since moving out there. I know this isn't the, the dating advice show, but uh, do you think that maybe you might be someone right now who's just a little too focused with your career to attempt to settle down? And do you ever see a point in your life where you can have it all? Yeah, so I'll be super transparent about this uh, since I wanted all the guests to be. Um, <laughs> like, so when I first moved back to Lynchburg and started this downward spiral in my personal life, a lot of that had to do, uh, with a breakup. And there are a lot of other factors that went wrong, uh, that, that really, I would say like brought out this bubble. I would, what I, what I call like a storm that I was running from for years, like running away from, from depression and like that breakup as, as well as a few deaths in my family and close circles. And just this job that I took that I, all brought it to a head and so i don't think i've ever really fully come back from that so there's always been that specter in the back of my mind and knowing i think and i think like somehow intuitively knowing that like work football and working on football was what really you know and i'm not exaggerating when i say this like really saved my life uh i think i've always put that above finding happiness and dating or whatever um i'm also you know i just turned 25 last week so i i view i'm very young um and i don't know i just i just don't find it th that to be a priority right now and for set like for several reasons also like that like la is definitely not the city to like prioritize like finding love it's you know there's a lot of people out here that are very focused on their career and i so i find that appealing and everything but i don't know i just it's like i'm in this weird place of with uh, with my dating life where i just i don't really care and i don't really want to care and like maybe i'll meet somebody that will make me change that or maybe there maybe i already have met that person that's going to make me change that but i've really wondered the last i would say just the last few months, whether that life is just like not really for me, whether I'm kind of just meant to, to be, you know, me and Chuck, me and Charlie, you know, like maybe that's my life and I don't know. And I'm perfectly okay with that. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't really need another person. So I would say though, yeah, I, a lot of it is that I'm just not willing to like make the sacrifices in my work life right now. Like I can't imagine, I can't imagine falling behind, or at least in my, in my own mind, what I would imagine is falling behind in my football work or like not having enough time to chart reception perception because I need to like take my girlfriend out or I need to spend time with my girlfriend. That, that doesn't sound appealing to me right now. Yeah. I mean, that, that's good perspective to have at your age. You're still in your mid twenties, but there are a lot of people out there who are coming up in this industry who kind of have to decide whether they want to you know pursue this, or at least attempt to pursue it full time and still balance that personal life. Like, you know, a lot of people have wives, uh, husbands, girlfriends, boyfriends, and they have to sometimes figure out: Do they want to, you know, spend four hours researching an article about Casey Keenum, or do they want to go have dinner with their their their, their family? And I remember listening to an episode of the Two Mugs podcast back in the day when. Uh, Rummy and uh, Rifo were talking about mock drafts and it's like and Rifo's uh, relaying this story like oh honey I'll be a few hours late to bed I gotta go do this mock draft for free with a bunch of other people online <laughs> it's like no you have that luxury where like you can go do that mock draft if you want you don't have to balance this other personal life ahead of your professional life 
But for a lot of people, it's kind of hard to get, you know, mix that two balance like we talked about before. Yeah, I'm really fortunate that I don't have to answer to anybody. Uh, and I don't like, I don't want to, um, right, right at this point in my life, you know, just I don't want to, I don't want to have, yeah, just basically the dog, which, it, you know, he basically, you know, puts me through the ringer and I answer to him pretty much for everything. <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's something that I, I think I'm very lucky. And, and one of the big reasons now that like, I did not really want to tell my story, uh, is because I view it as such like such an outlier and it's hard to take a lot from in my opinion and maybe i'm wrong about this but i think it's really hard to take a lot from how i got to where i am because i because i was in such a unique like perfect circumstances set of thing like i i was and still am like a young single and that gives you a huge advantage to to have the time to like you said not answer to anybody and to be like you know, that was really the first thought I remember. I can remember talking to my dad, uh, in about like around October or November of 2013, when I was first starting this blog and like was really enjoying it. I, I told him, I was like, dad, I think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to go to grad school anymore. I think I'm going to pull out of that whole plan and just pursue this football thing. I was like, I'm really enjoying it. I think maybe there's like, I was like, there's a small percent chance I could make this my job. I want to chase that right now because I'm young and like, I'm never going to have any, any better time to do this. And it was just like that moment of clarity. And of course my dad, like, you know, and I love my dad for this. He was like, yeah, do it. Just go for it. You know, just, just put, if this is the thing you want to do, then, then go for it. So that, that, like that ability to not have to answer to somebody and just to be in control of my own life. And like, if I wanted to spend all night researching something instead of spending with another person, that was something that I've, I've had the option to do. And I've been in, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I've been in relationships since then. I, I have not been, I have not been single since 2013. <laughs> it's not been that sad, but, but overall like that, that, that theme of my life from just not having anybody else to answer to has been a key part to my success. Yeah. But so as you no know, going after it, like you looked at yourself, like, I want to do this. I don't want to go down the path I'm already going down. And you went after it. Like there had to be, some sort of feeling or some sort of like thought process in your head. It's like, okay, I am going to go after this no matter what. Cause a lot of people will look at that point in their lives. It's like, do I keep going down path a where I know I'm going to be doing this, this, and this, or do I go down path B where I want to be doing that? But who knows what the hell as life has in store for me? Like, like I want to go write about fantasy football for a career, but I might not be any good at it. I might not have enough time to dedicate it to it. Like maybe I just, uh, uprooted my whole life to go from one side of the country to the next, but you went after that. And that's, you know, a, a story most people should hear. Like they should realize it's like, Oh, well he went after his dreams. It worked out for him. Maybe I should you know, not be such a, a pessimist about what I want to do and go after it. Cause I was in the same situation as you were once in my life. I was in my mid twenties. I was on the path to becoming a lawyer. I was studying political science at my local university, but I just like looked at myself and realized no, I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to argue in court because I just don't see myself being that type of person. And I watched this documentary about Kevin Smith and he was talking about how he went to this film school in Vancouver. And like, I had kind of an itch to write like you did. Uh, mine was more about like screenwriting. So like mm -hmm. I uprooted my life from one side of the country to the next to go after that type of career and those dreams, not knowing what would happen. 
So I think there's some sort of quality in a person when they, you know, they actually go through with what they want to do. I th- I think that's the that's like the the best thing you can have is when you when you have clarity on what you want and I, I think I like I had it in that moment that I did not want like I I mean I was miserable I was it was like literally a, a it was not, it's just such an like and I I do like kind of intend to someday like write a book about that like that experience and leading to the getting out to the other side because there like I so I struck you know we'll talk about this later but like I struggle with like the meaninglessness of fantasy football is my job and all that. And so I want to have some other thing where I'm, they feel like I'm doing something meaningful in the world. And and I think relating this story to people is important too. Um, but like, I, you know, it's a struggle every day just to, just to survive and just to get up in the morning and like live my life because it was just, but having that clarity in that moment that that this was the thing that was making me happy. Like when I would write an article, even if nobody was reading it and, and nobody was reading backyard banter at that time. I mean, I was literally reading. nobody. Well, even before you Sal, I mean, even like the, the That's, two weeks I that I existed I before, yeah, before <laughs> you, but like it was, it was that it was that realizing that that was making me like happy and that, that like, in a time of my life where I was anything but happy, the thing that was keeping me going. And it was, it was hearing that from people too, you know, getting that support. I mean, you know, I can't even tell you how much like getting the support from you. And I remember the first time anybody. So the first writer that ever noticed me was actually Kean Fahey from he's right for football guys now. And for a few other places, like he was the first person that ever, um, ever like no like i tweet he was talking about the jets defense and i had written like a film study on the jets defense up and i just like tweeted it to him with a link and he shared it and was like hey a lot of people have asked me to read stuff this is the best thing i've read uh out of that group uh from matt Harmon, you know and then he followed me and sh- like shared the piece and i remember i was at work and i remember seeing that tweet and, like i freaked out because somebody like noticed me and from then on like that that moment and then like you know you sal like sharing like some chase daniel article that i had written uh you know of course like mediocre quarterbacks are totally up your alley but like but but getting that affirmation and and having people tell you like you're good at this that was what made me think like why should i put artificial limitations on this thing um if i'm if i really love this and i seen people seem to think i'm good I should, I should try to just, I should try to make this whatever it is. Even if the odds are incredibly long that I'll ever have a job in football, I should, I should, I at least owe it to myself to, to try. Yeah. And, and that's the type of hope people out there listening to this podcast need, especially the people out there who maybe just wrote their first or second blog post and just need a little bit of inspiration to keep going. I think, a lot of stories we've heard throughout the podcast have been that story of hope and inspiration that just keep going, which has been, I think a big reason why uh, this podcast has become so popular in the industry. Uh, but no, we'll, we'll go back a little bit to, you know, maybe the darker times in your life and bring it back to the positivity because you mentioned earlier, you know, your weight loss and that's something you struggled with earlier in your life. You know, it's been chronicled on the web. You know, it caused quite a positive stir on social media when you released your article and everybody was sharing it. I know it's an inspiring tale. One, you don't want to rewrite. I know you've been open about your diet, your food takes, how you work out, how you try to keep that you know, lifestyle now. And on the episode with Bob Harris, which was not, not that too long ago, he discussed just how difficult it is to keep up with an active lifestyle in season. You know, 
you mentioned our jobs are sedentary. Uh, we pretty much sit at a computer desk all day long. We're sitting at a computer desk right now. Yeah. Uh, now, having been at your current position for the past year and heading into you know, the second season of it, how do you motivate yourself to just keep going and not relapse and going back to the, the lifestyle you used to live that obviously you don't want to go back to? Well, I think it's always like this, that, that constant realization that I don't ever want to be that again. I don't ever want to go backwards. I want to always be moving forward in my life. And the weight loss thing, especially like sometimes I really do have to like slap myself and be like, oh yeah, that's right. I was 315 pounds and I'm 210 pounds today. Um, so it's, I'm about eight pounds less than when I even wrote that article because just continuing to push myself and everything. And it, I guess it's just the realization that like, I don't want to be, I don't ever want to go back to that. I don't ever want to be that unhealthy person again. And just constantly reminding myself of that and knowing how easy it is in this industry to slip away from that. And and I think it's just putting things in perspective too. Like, yes, I want to put as much preparation and energy into my work as I possibly can. But if I lose another hour in the season of the already disgusting amount of hours I'm putting in football working five days, like that's really not the end of the world. Like I probably will not, I will, I will probably not get, you know, a sleeper wrong or miss something. Or even if I do, in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, who really cares? Like, you also have to remember in this industry that this this is just, it's just a game. You know, it's a game about a game, for God's sakes, like what we do with fantasy. Your health and your, your, your just being alive is much more important. And I think that's... That's something that I, I'm I'm going to try to be better of this season too because I wasn't last season. I came out to LA to 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 take the job at NFL.com. I was 231 pounds. I got back up to like 240 in the season, and I that that frustrated me uh, because and because it was it was pretty simple stuff. You know, it was giving up on the gym too much, wanting to spend that extra hour researching or whatever. Um, but so this year, that's something I'm trying to be more committed on. Uh, and, and it's just realizing like, I'm, that I'm, I'm a, like, I am afraid of, 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 of a lot. Of, I'm afraid of a lot, whether it's, you know, am I ever going to fake face that darkness again? Am I ever going to, uh, am I ever going to be struggle with my, with my weight again? I'm afraid of those things. And that fear constantly motivates me to, to, to not put myself in those positions and to realize what's important. So I would say to anybody out there that's, that's involved in football, like, you know, remember what's important, like your health matters, you, you matter and your brain will be sharper. You'll be able to function on less sleep, which I know we're all trying to fucking do that. Um, <laughs> uh, so like you'll, you're, you, you'll be able to, you'll be able to do more when you're physically healthy and i think that's something that i i really want people to to take away from because it's such a problem for many people it was such a problem for me for the i mean for the longest time for the most of my life and you know the last three years have been a change that if even if listen if i i would i would much rather have my health that i do now than like my than my writing career as hard as that is to ever think to choose between the two i i'm much more grateful for that i mean well without your health you wouldn't have your writing career right right and and you got to be beautiful you know it's got, it's important to be pretty in this industry 
<laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna work for the big bad NFL, you can't uh, you can't be a slob. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Of course you can you can be whoever you want to be and reach reach the heights in this industry. But I think that uh, I just like co- being co- I mean confidence too. That's that's something that I think is so uh, underrated. And because especially because you can, you know, for for most of us we sit behind a screen all day and we're that's where we build our identities and there's a lot of good and bad in that but you don't necessarily have to be the most confident all the time but you know i found that 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 being happy with myself which is something that three years ago if you had told me like i'm going to be in a place where i'm going to be completely content and happy with myself with how i look with how i feel with how i talk I would have never believed that just based on where I was. But the fact that I have that now, it makes it makes my work so much better. It makes being able to share my opinions so much better. Uh, it just being confident in yourself is, is so underrated in this industry. I think it's, just, it's an underrated uh, aspect of everybody's life, whether you're in this industry or not, just you know, believing in yourself that you can do something. Because you know? a lot of the times people say you can't do that. You know, you even said to yourself, no, maybe I can't do this. I can't do that. But no, you went ahead and you just kept chugging along and chugging along. And you realize, no, I do believe in myself. I have the confidence to do it. And then, no, here you are. Uh, but no, a lot of uh, themes we hit upon in this uh, episode are kind of dark. You no know, struggling with you no know, depression, struggling with breakups, struggling with your weight loss. And I'm not sure if anybody else has been picking up on this lately with your podcast episodes, but it seems like there might be another struggle going on right now in your career. You now you had Greg Rosenthal, uh, you had Greg Rosenthal on uh, just a couple episodes ago, who was talking about his start in the entertainment industry and when he realized it just wasn't fun, it wasn't for him. You kind of turn that around on yourself, you know, being a part of the fantasy community, saying, you know, you ask yourself all the time, what the hell am I doing? Am I doing anything meaningful with this career? So it kind of sounds like you're struggling with trying to rationalize the work you do in this industry you're currently a part of, but thinking that you might be able to make a bigger difference in different industry. Do you find that to be accurate? Well, first of all, um, I would say one of the things that Greg and I hit on, that was just the last episode before this one. Uh, it was like the difference between football and fantasy football. And I will say like, I don't, I don't think I love fantasy football as much as I, as much as most people in the, in our industry do. And I mean, I like fantasy. I, I definitely dig it. And like, it's something that I really enjoy, but I just love football. Like I, I talk, I, I'm a fantasy writer because it's an avenue to talk about football. Like if they, if anybody was to offer me a job as like just a standard football writer over a fantasy writer job, I would take it in a heartbeat, but that's a, that's a probably a separate discussion from what you're asking me. Uh, stay on message, Matt. But I think, I think I have struggled since becoming a full-time fantasy writer or just a full-time per- football person in general. I have struggled a little bit with like the, that meaninglessness of it in a way. Um, because like so for what i was doing before this in the year uh in like from 2014 to uh 2015 uh, after i finally got out of lynchburg which was an important step to on from that part, part of my life i was working with adults with intellectual disabilities and i loved that job i was i didn't think i was gonna like it. i thought it was just gonna be a job that i took to support myself while i was still writing about football and f part-time for football guys and optimum scouting and several other places 
but I really ended up loving it just for, for a number of different reasons. And I really could have probably made like a career in that field. And, you know, every day it was a struggle, but I, every day I, I knew I was helping people that, that needed me and that loved. And that's, uh, that's a good, that's a good feeling to have. Like, that's the greatest part about that population, the intellectually disabled, like they will, they love you. Uh, you know, we, you know, us as like normal people, we struggle like opening up and sharing our emotions and they're just so real and honest with you. And like being appreciated like that was really a great feeling. Um, so there may be coming from that field. It's a little harder in football writer when it's like, you know, I am talking about a game about a game. What am I really doing with myself? Is any of this really matter? But I, so I, I do struggle with that, but you know, before I, before I kind of answer that more, like I, I would offer the disclaimer that like, I do love this job and like, I could probably do this for a long, long time and really enjoy it. And I know how lucky I am to be in the position I'm in. So it's not like something that like in the next two years, you're going to see me run off into the sunset, even though that is a joke. Oh, that is a very big joke around the office. Like when is Harmon finally going to, you know, just say I've had enough of this and run off into the mountains. And that is maybe a real thing that could happen, but I do struggle with, with like, am I really making a difference in, in, in this career? And I know I've had people reach out to me and say, you are for a number of different reasons, but that's why I really wanted to, um, I wanted to start this podcast. Why I wanted to start the, like why I wanted to share my weight loss story, why I intend to write about my struggles with depression and, and mental health and all that at times. But I really feel like I have the platform that I do now with NFL and, and everything to do more than just be a football writer. I, I want to help people struggle or I want to help people with their struggles in life. And I want to be, and I want, I don't think that I went through what I went through and came out of it on the other end just for myself. I think I, I think I'm meant to be like, I don't know, an example of, of, of that positivity. So that's something that I think I take a really seriously is the idea that I'm, I'm supposed to do more with, with the gifts and the platform that I've been given than just write about football. And so that's why I do intend to do more things like that and why I've already kind of started doing that because I, I want people to know that there's more that, there, that there's, that there's positivity out there and you should be chasing it. <laughs> I know you said you were you know, trying to stick on topic with the, the question I asked, but no, just the episode before that, you no, know, you had John Moore on and you asked me that question about no, uh, what type of writer does he categorize himself? And he said he's more of a draft person than a fantasy football player. And you know, you kind of went off on that, saying you root for the players, the storylines. You know, you care about that more than you care about your picks being accurate. And he said, no, maybe fantasy football is not your thing. So, as being a fantasy football writer, you might have you know touched upon this earlier, but kind of just like expand on it. Like, how do you make peace with being a fantasy football writer, you know, uh, and someone who might not really want to consider themselves just a fantasy football writer? And what does that mean for the future of Matt Harmon? Oh, well, I mean, that's why I still do things like all the reception perception profiles on Backyard Banter, which even though I write about football all day, sometimes I'll come home and write about more football, um, you know, because I think that there's just more to what I have to offer than just the typical fantasy stuff. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like if that's what you want out of your out of this career and you love fantasy football and you want to do rankings and sleepers and busts and all that, and like that's totally cool to do that and, you know, make it make it be the best one to do all that. Um, you know, it's just like, that doesn't necessarily 
fire off my brain in the way that I need to need it to, to be engaged in this stuff. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I came from a really heavy, like academic research based background and like, I have to, that has to be a part of my, of my football writing. And I think that just, I hope to do more things like that. And that's why, like, even my fantasy stuff, I would say like, you know, if I, I'm, that's why I specialize kind of in a, in a, in one thing more than anything else. Like, you know, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll give you some advice about running backs and quarterbacks. Like I, I, I think I know, I don't know what the hell a fantasy football expert is. And I, I'm still waiting uh, to us. figure it. No, 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 no. I'd like definitely not us. I'm still wait. I'm still waiting to, I'm still waiting to hear like, when did I apply for fantasy expert status? I remember <laughs> applying for a job as a writer. I don't remember that. And I don't remember ever wanting to be called that, but yeah, you know, it's a whole nother discussion there in and of itself. But like, so like, I know, I think I know enough about fantasy though, like any other jackass who plays fantasy football to talk about like, Hey, here's some good quarterback picks. And like, I'll spend a hell of a lot of time researching, you know, running backs and all that sort of stuff. But like, yeah, I have something I think that I I will always have my, you know, my baby. And I think that's important too. like doing what kind of content you want is important as well. Like, yeah, there are plenty of things at NFL that I have to write that like if my or if it were up to me, I would not necessarily be writing them. Um, you know, you got to you got to you got to pay the bills. You got to uh, write that sponsored content, baby. Um, but at the same time, you've got to always find something that makes your brain uh, engaged. I know you mentioned earlier that you're kind of like an outlier in this community, how quickly you rose up the ranks to you know, where you started to where you are now. But it's been hit upon many times on this podcast and you know, people on Twitter when they're asked, like, how do you get noticed in this industry or how do you make it? It's always you know, providing unique content or something that you, know, you just can't find anywhere else. And you gave that to us with Reception Perception. I uh, know today's fantasy generation of you no know, is one that's become like very stats based and analytics heavy, but you no, know, the readers are smarter and there's more of an emphasis on in-depth analysis and advice like reception perception or Graham's running back series, or um, I might pronounce his last name, but Joe Holka's new running back mm-hmm. series over at 444.com. Uh, do you think the like the larger sites like ESPN or Yahoo, Road World, uh, NFL.com, CBS have kept up with the the changing times? Hmm, um, that's a good question, and I think that you're seeing you're seeing those sites do their best to cater to both. Um, you know, Marcus Grant, who I work with, who's just a, a lovely human being in general. Um, I, I, th- I said this, I think on a recent podcast that, uh, if I was, if I was on TV like Marcus and I was as, as much of a baller as him, there's no way I would be as cool <laughs> and as humble about it as he is. <laughs> but, um, that, that, no, yeah. Marcus, he's pretty cool, dude. I love Marcus. Marcus is, is, is really good people, but you know, he's always constantly when we're, you know, when Gelhar and I are talking about these, you, you know, super unique niche stat dorky articles, Marcus is always the one to, always, you know, kind of remind us that like, hey, we still have to cater to the casual fan too. And he actually talked about that, I think, on my pod, on, on my podcast, his episode here. He said like, you know, he never wants to see us lose that casual fan. And that is super important because, listen, I get it. I mean, I was tweeting today about it's a little weird to me that people will tweet back at you and be like, I don't need all these stats in my article about fantasy football, like an inherently stats based game. Like you, you win the game by accumulating stats. So it might be important for me to give you some stats, but you know, those players like that, that just want, you just want to know, like, 
hey, who should I start and who should I sit? You know, and I can wind and weave an example of why you shouldn't draft Todd Gurley in these long, these long drawn out stats based thing. But some people don't want that. Some people just want the quick hitting information. Uh, just want to know these certain things and get an edge in their work leagues. You know, not everybody's as much of a sicko about this as we are. And I think, you know, especially now working for a cat, like a more, a much more mainstream cat, like website with a lot of casual fans. I have noticed that then talking with some people back in the fantasy community, like, man, we really are out of touch, you know, like, like us in the, us in the, on Twitter, us in fantasy Twitter, like we are super out of touch with, with how the casual fan thinks like, I'll get responses from guys in the, you know, that are deep into the community like I am that are like, you know, don't we already know that? Like, isn't that like accepted general knowledge? I'm like, nah, man, it's really not, you know? So we, we can never leave those people behind because, because everybody is important that follows this sport and follows the game of fantasy. Like, so I think those, those sites are doing a really good job of bringing in people like, you know, Roto world does a great job of bringing in, guys like rich rebar who know just so freaking much about everything i mean evan silva knows everything about everything with football but you know they still have guys like nick mencio writing the stardom sit columns they still have pat doing the rankings they still have you know all of the guys contributing to the blurbs and just putting out like here's one sentence on what this news means and how it applies to fantasy team and that is super important so i think the, there are plenty of sites you know that are doing uh, a great job and like us at NFL that's why we have guys like Marcus who who can write you know the mailbag and gives the, those casual fans some really good information and you know rank can appeal to people in different ways and James can take like he's doing a news and notes column that's like that you know where you take you just take the news story and you give a little fantasy spin on it you know then there's me who writes 3,000 words on one player and approaches things from every stupid angle possible uh, you know it's all about building a team that's versatile Right, I mean, like we understand there's the casual fans out there that you know want their standard ten team league, you no know, go running back, running back, old school. And then right. you see someone you no, know, like our our friend at fourteen team mocker just tweeting out at ESPN, like I want my fourteen team mock draft with three wide receivers PPR. But you no, know, being in this industry and you no, know, we've mentioned it, you no, know, you have to have you know sometimes a unique way of getting noticed just because there are so many writers out there. But you also mentioned how there's just so many casual fantasy football players out there that we also have to you know make sure we cater to. But if you're somebody that's just breaking in, like what route do you take? Like, are you going to try and focus on breaking in and coming up with a unique metric to get noticed by the fantasy writing community, or are you going to you know sit back and kind of write the same content that hundreds and thousands of other people are writing, try and get noticed by the casual fantasy football player? Who might not really have an impact on your career starting out. Like, how can you, you know, find a way to figure out <laughs> basically what to do? Yeah. So I think that the, a good way to approach that, and I'll just talk, I'll just share my example of that. Um, I think that like appealing to that really niche audience is super important. Those, those, you know the freak shows, <laughs> the cat like the the guys that are totally into into football, like and want every p- possible piece of information. And you know that was part of the reason. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that I started Reception Perception, and I don't know if you know you're going to ask me about it or not. But like that was certainly one one thing that uh, the one thing that like I, I think I started out appealing to that really diehard fan base, and then like. Because I, I just don't, I just don't think that you can break in doing what everybody else is already doing. 
you know, I was writing like power rankings, you know, which when I was first starting backyard banter and like writing game recaps and game previews. And I was putting a lot of effort into those, but nobody's reading those. Nobody cares what Matt Harmon, you know, circa 2013 care. Nobody cares about what I think about the Seahawks versus the Rams in week 12, or, you know, nobody cares why I have the bears ranked 17th instead of 15th on my power rankings this week. You know, people started listening to me when I had something new to bring to the table. And from there, like, yeah, my audience has expanded, but I'm always going to be, I, I'm always going to appeal to the, I'm always going to do things the way they like got me to where I am. And I, what got me here is being different and being unique and having something else to say that was outside of the norm. And like, yeah, now I can write, you know, game recaps or, or a sleepers column and people care because they, they know to trust me based on my own, like the, the other analysis that I brought to the table. I mean, I mean, now is as good as time as any to ask you. So, why did you start reception perception? Oh, because I realized I just I needed something to take up all of my time. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think I think the well, for one, the wide receiver position has always really spoke to me. Um, I've always just like Steve Smith is my favorite player ever. I grew up really liking Randy Moss. Um, which I don't know what that says about me as like an attitude sort of uh, sense, but I, I just always really enjoyed the position, even when I was just like watching film and writing up games and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I always gravitated to watching the wide receivers. Uh, so that's an important thing. Like find something that, that, that just, that makes, you know, that makes you, you, you uh, excited. And uh, I think that the wide receiver certainly did that for me. And I knew I needed that piece of unique content. Like, I was chasing this thing so hard, you know, I was busting my ass like for, for, for really for, you know, for, for no real benefit, of course, when you're first starting out and you're just right, I'm writing for backyard banter. I'm writing for a few other just websites like, uh, you know, that I owe a lot like draft Mecca with Andrew Parsons and Eric Stoner. Uh, they gave me a shot. Um, you know, there, there were so many like little sites that, that brought me on. And I really, I, I love that, but, reception perception was always in the back of uh in the back of my mind and uh so i started just charting out like everything i would see with wide receivers like just exclusively watching them and charting how many times they'd run each route you know against what coverages were they most successful and i would chart out like guys whole seasons and then i learned to streamline the process obviously of course and like realized where it averaged out at eight games and everything and but really the idea behind it was just I knew I needed something different to bring the, to bring to the table because again, it's all about making people care what you have to say. And over time, people learned to care about what reception perception is says, and maybe too much. Now people care what reception perception says, uh, but needed to have that. And also it just, it was fun for me and it's still fun for me. Every time I sit down to chart a guy, I'm excited to learn what the results are going to be. You know, if it's going to be a guy like a Tyler Lockett, I sit down and by the end of it, I'm like, holy hell, I didn't expect to be this excited, but here I'm this excited because the data demands it. And, you know, I just, I think that the biggest thing of, of why I did it too was because it was questions that I, I wanted to know the answer to, you know, I, I was always, I was always frustrated with 
with film analysis that just kind of threw things out about wide receivers. Like, oh, this guy doesn't get open enough or he's not a good route runner. You know, you read that on scouting reports. I'm like, well, what the hell does that really mean? You know, how, how can you – I want something to back that up other than just you told me it was true. Uh, so that's why I wanted to show that. I wanted to graph that out and have like, you know, s- sample sizes of what's successful in this route, what's a, not a successful route and everything. So it was a question that I wanted to answer. I wanted somebody to answer and I wanted to be the one to do it. And, you know, when I saw that there was a, like a, a positive response to it, then it was like, okay, this is the thing I just need to keep doing. I like, I'm sure like when you wrote your very first reception perception article, you, know, you mentioned earlier, no one was really reading your work, but now you have this influence over the fantasy community. We've seen it. You know, people call it the Evan Silva bump. He tweets out about our players. ADP just you know, either skyrockets or drops completely off the face of the earth. And we've seen that impact with reception perception lately, especially the Tyler Lockett article. You just saw people tweeting out how high he was going after you wrote up that article on him. Yeah. Does that go through your mind when you're writing up an art, like your reception perception article? Do you kind of sit back and think to yourself like, when I release this article tomorrow, there's going to be a storm of people coming at me and looking at this guy's player from a different different perspective that they didn't before and how do how do you feel about that yeah no i don't really think about it that way to be honest with you sal like um i know that there will be a response but i don't really get concerned with what's that what what that's going to be because i think that you know that might change how i how i phrase something i i always still like even still today i write like i'm back in that one bedroom apartment in Lynchburg, like just trying to get a thought out, you know, and that's all I'm, that's all I'm really doing with any of these is I'm just getting an opinion out there. I mean, I'm more excited. Like I still remember, like you mentioned that first reception perception article. I still remember tweeting out like the, the charts, like super late at night and guys like Matt Riddle, uh, and Jeff, Jeff Miller from DLF, like, and, uh, uh, FF Dynasty 101, Chris, like tweeting back at me, like with some thoughts about it. I still remember like those those first moments. Like, so I know there's always going to be a response, and I'm grateful now that that like I can be now. I know more people are going to respond, and like that excitement. It it does. It's exciting to like release a reception perception that like I'm really pumped about. Like, I was really excited to release Willie Sneed's results recently because they're I think they were so much better than what people probably would have thought. Uh, so I get excited about that, but I never really think like, oh, this is going to have a big effect on people because I just I just want the analysis to always be true to what I actually think. I never want to say something to like that I don't believe in. If I'm if I wrote something or if I said it on a podcast, like you, you can be damn sure that that's what I really think. So I never I never look at it as like I'm going to get a response that's this way or this way or that way with it. I just I just say what I think. I know people will respond and we'll see we'll see how it goes. So basically you don't care that you cause people to overpay for Tyler Lockett now than they had to before. Nah, man, that's on you. <laughs> that's on you. Sorry. <laughs> I think uh, that, no, like, I- from my perspective, one of the great things was seeing people tweet at you like where Tyler Lockett was going. You're like, no, that's crazy. Don't do yeah. that. Yeah, no, I mean, I get it. Like people want, but at the same time, for one, that's my, that's my, I mean, that is mind blowing to me. Like to, again, any of this is still, like I said, 
I don't know how the hell I got here on on so many levels. Just the the vast difference of what my life is now from what it was three years ago. Like it, I'm thinking about it right now, and like man, it really is mind blowing. I'm I'm so lucky. I'm like I'm literally the luckiest person on the planet. I I really do believe that. Um, and I I try to try to try to be grateful for that. But like, yeah, the fact that people take my my opinion that seriously, like it's humbling and it's it's mind blowing and it's a little intimidating sometimes. Uh, but, at, but at the same time, like, you know, you're going to react to how you're going to react. And like, I, I think that the fun part about like dying, like, so dynasty, especially I think is a good example of this because I, I, what frustrates me is like, yeah, can you release an article on this guy? So then I can sell him high or whatever. I'm like, I hate, I hate, just hate that mindset. And this is probably a separate topic, but like, I hate that mindset of dynasty. Like, you know, if I see an analyst, like really likes a player, I want to get the player because he's going to be good. And like, I want to have good players. I want to have fun, like owning good players and maybe other people will have fun different ways. And that's cool. But like, yeah. So just the fact that like people, people want to own the, the Harmon guys or whatever. And it makes me want to throw up saying that out loud. But like the fact that people want to own those guys, that's, that's really cool to me. I think you might've just hit on a new business model, like the opposite of draft day consultants, just write up bad articles. So people can either like sell a guy for really low or write up like really awesome profiles oh, yeah. of guys you don't care about so that they can sell them for high. Yeah. Scott fish has offered me, he said like, he'll, he'll offer me about six or he'll offer me three figures to write up fake posts. I know dynasty Frank has been begging me for almost a year now to write up like an Odell Beckham's actually a little overrated, but based on reception perception post, just so he's good. So he can buy him. But uh, that's not, like I said, not going to happen. The litmus test would be like writing a flattering profile of Alex Smith and telling everybody to draft him. I think that's where we would see how, how, how strong your influences on the community. Well, I will say, Sal, somebody came up to me today and gave me a list of three quarterbacks that they wanted. Like, hey, can I have this guy, this guy, or Alex Smith? And it was, well, Dave Damashek came up and asked me that. And I was like, you got to go with Smith. And he's like, yeah. And I said, yeah. So you should be happy. I'm very, I'm not wearing my Alex Smith shirt this time. So let's call that. Yeah, no, that would have weird. <laughs> that, that would have been kind of interesting. I mean, let's get this back on topic because I could talk about Alex Smith for hours and nobody would listen to me regardless. So you know, in you know, this episode, we've mentioned it, uh, past episodes, people have listened to, uh, we've, you know, it's an advice we've given on Twitter. You know, on the very first episode of this podcast with Sigmund Bloom, you know, he mentioned that promoting each other helps the community. And you know, we've seen like just how how true that is nowadays. Maybe maybe it wasn't like that before when he started. You kind of mentioned that. You no, know, why would you retweet an article that wasn't written by the site that you work for? Mm-hmm. You no, know, and he uh, and you said that people should just be more active on Twitter. You no, know. fantasy football Twitter it is a community, and we've seen that shift. Like I mentioned, where you no know, sites will re- will promote the work of others. You now, how vital do you think it is to you know just put yourself out there as a newcomer in the industry? and try not to worry about someone disagreeing with your takes because we've seen the good and the bad of Twitter and social media. Oh yeah. I mean, I've seen plenty of good and plenty of bad. I would, I would always encourage people to emphasize the good, uh, in life and, and in football, you know, that's like what, like I say with the wide receiver drops thing, you can read that article too. Kind of jives with my life philosophy. And I will always emphasize the good of Twitter. Like, Hell, I would not be where I am today. 0.0% chance I would be where I am today if it wasn't for Twitter and the community that that is so incredibly supportive. And I think for one, like on a selfish industry level, it's good for us to promote good content. It's good 
to continue to engage the users and challenge them to to read new and better things and more more unique ideas and and to constantly encourage engagement that way and it just builds more interest it built because everybody's looking for you know i i got some people joking around in my mentions today like hey like don't ask matt Harmon. like that's my guy like and he's like oh no he was my guy like three years ago you know everybody's looking for like their their secret guy or whatever <laughs> so if like i can promote somebody else and they can become that for someone that only just again builds more interest and builds our community and builds our industry which gets more jobs which you know that's that's the lifeblood of it but just from like a, a personal standpoint it feels good to support other people like you should you know like, I don't think that is a big deal. And people always say, like, you know, Josh Lake recently was saying, like, it's so cool that you share other people's work. And I'm like, well, of course I do, because I think it's good. Like, I think, like, I think it's, I think what other people are doing is really important. And other, and like, I want to give my followers good information. Uh, like, so I will share, you know, TJ Hernandez and Chris Raybon's podcast. Like, be like, like I did today. I was like, hey, this is a great show. I benefited from listening to it every week last year you will do the same thing. Like I want the people that follow me to be, to be, to, to have access to good information. Like, again, I think the fact that so many people follow me on Twitter and care what I have to say, like I said, it's a little intimidating and it's also something that I take seriously. I think that they're there to get good football information from me. And the fact that they have to put up the fact that they put up with so much other bullshit that I tweet about <laughs> shows that they, that it, they got to put up with a lot and I should give them something back. And, and for our other fantasy writers, like Sal, this is something that you instilled in me just in, in you being like a mentor to me was constantly paying it forward. And like I said, I know that I am so, so, so lucky to be where I am. And, and I'm very fortunate and grateful. And I think, you know, when I told you that when I first got the NFL job before announcing it to everybody, that was the one big thing that you said to me was pay it forward. And I try to do that every day, whether it's just sharing something on Twitter with a retweet or a quote tweet or, you know, encouraging somebody or being open to reading new writers work. And I'm not as, I'm not perfect about it. I am not perfect about like every time somebody tweets me a link and sometimes I'll like the tweet to remind myself to read it later and then totally forget. And I suck and I'm sorry, but you know, I am not perfect, unfortunately, but just being open to, to, to that. It's, it's so important. It's so important to grow each other's, make each other's experience better and to grow with each other. Yeah, like a simple thing is just retweeting someone's article might not seem like a big deal to you or to me or the people on our timeline seeing that retweet, but it could be somebody's work you're retweeting and nobody really knows of it in the industry who could one day become the next Matt Harmon. It's like, it's a really simple way to pay it forward. Oh, I still get jazzed when like, when anybody I know retweets me. <laughs> I mean, Sal, you can retweet me and I still get psyched about it. Like Silva retweets my shit and it still blows my mind, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I write for, I write for NFL.com and like a ton of people read that website. I don't, I probably don't need retweets to get more <laughs> reads, but it just feels good. It feels, it feels validating. And some, like I said, that validation at that dark period of my life was, was so important. Like it kept me going. It kept me going for this wild, crazy dream that I had. And, you know, on just the off chance that I can give somebody even a fraction of that feeling by sharing their work or praising their work. I mean, I'm happy to do that. 
So I, I know on your show, when you're the host, we uh, always have to compliment you at least once during every episode. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here right now. I sent out a tweet asking people uh, who their favorite guest was on your show. And uh, we had a lot of answers. We had Matt Wallman, Sigmund Bloom, yeah. uh, Uncle Chaps, Josh Norman. Like, you can go down through the list. And I bet there's probably one person that would say everybody that you've been on the episode has, you know, has been their favorite. Um, so like you've done 42 episodes now, so why don't you share with us what your favorite moment has been on this backyard banter podcast with Matt Harmon and what maybe the, like the most inspirational piece of advice one of your guests has given. Oh man, this really is putting me on the spot because I honestly feel like I, like I, I came away inspired by each of the 42 episodes and I really like legit mean that every, every episode, I feel like I learned something, which was probably why, like I started doing the podcast two times a week, uh, you know, like just cause I wanted to get more inspiration from these people. I wanted to hear these great stories and it's really hard to pick. Um, oh man, I will say like one of my favorite memories was episode five with Josh Norris, like and I have known each other on Twitter for a long, long time. I think even like he started following me kind of not, not around my start, but in that same sort of time period uh, when I was still living back in, in Lynchburg and everything in pre reception perception. Uh, you know, he started following me because I was writing about the Carolina Panthers for, uh, for draft Mecca and, and he's a Panthers fan. So like Josh and I followed each other on Twitter for a long, long time. And like, but that was the first time we ever talked like, you know, face to face or whatever, like through the video here. And we got along really well. And like, it was like, basically like we were like longtime friends and like, we talked about dating and how difficult like, we're close to the same age and like how difficult that is. And the struggles of, of maintaining that balance between a personal life and, and the, and the professional life and everything like that. And, and just some of the weirdness of it all and struggling with being young and like being kind of lost in the world and everything. And, like I just felt real, that was a moment that was cool to experience with Josh, but also as a larger point to like kind of emphasize that we really do get involved in each other's lives and become important to each other, even in this weird space. Um, so that I think was probably one of my favorite, like just straight up memories from the podcast in terms of, um, of like inspirational moments. I don't know. There's honestly been so many and I really am trying not to, cop out of this by saying that but there really has been just so many good um inspirational stories that i really feel like i i benefited from hearing and i mean whether it was whether it was the fantasy footballers like recounting their story of like you know being just a bunch of regular guys that eventually like now like i met them in person and like saw them operate and like those guys literally run an empire like that was really inspirational to see um, obviously anytime I get to talk to Sal Stefanali, that guy is a, is a, is a beautiful moment. Uh, his episode was great. Um, talking to Graham Barfield, like seeing another person that's like in a, in kind of a similar place to where I was and then going back and like, you know, seeing him, him create unique content. Like that was a great story. Um, Mark Schofield's episode was amazing. Uh, episode 10, all the way back there. That was such a cool. That was such a cool thing to, to to listen to him. He was great, and he's another one that I didn't really know as well before the podcast. But like now, I feel really tight with, and and he has just a great story to tell about like being in a in a field where, uh, where he wasn't really he like clearly wasn't really happy, 
um, and and got out of it and is now doing something awesome with himself. And I think, you know, I'll mention one. I could sit here and recount every one of them. That's like starting with, to what I'm doing, but I'll just mention like one last one um, was the episode just pretty recently um, with, with, with Scott fish. It was great to, to talk to Scott and like just somebody that's really making a difference. Um, in the fantasy like because i like i said that's something that i struggle with but he's clearly making a difference with the fantasy cares league and like everything he does for the community scott is a must i'm just a must follow person and must pay attention to episode 38 of him cheated i'm gonna say one well (laughs) i cheated i'm gonna say one last one mike taglier's episode just recently also was great too mike is just one of the most nicest genuine people in the in the world and i'm really happy to call him a friend now i got to meet him and his wife just this weekend and you know i really struggle obviously with relationships clearly and love and all that sort of stuff but i really do believe in like the power of love and like two people connected with each other that are clearly soulmates i think that is one of the most powerful things that we can experience on the planet and mike and his wife really definitely have that and hearing him talk about her on the podcast was Honestly, it was a little, it was like a little moving. <laughs> so like that was another one. So I named like 10. Uh, sorry, I cheated, but that, well, those is, are the it, ones that came to mind. Te- technically, it is your podcast, even though I'm hosting. So True. he rambled on as long as he wanted to. But I think it's probably a good idea we start wrapping this up because we've, you know, we've covered quite a bit of ground. So I'll, I'll bring this to a close pretty soon. Like I, we mentioned earlier, like I had the, the fortune of meeting you in person and you told me about this idea for this podcast you wanted to do where you just talk to the personalities in the industry, you know, hear their stories, try to get back to the community a bit. You know, season one of the Backyard Banter is coming to a close now. So I'm going to ask you, like, has this show fulfilled your vision that you had for it? Oh, yes. This show has been everything that I could have possibly wanted it to be and more. Um, I think that like, I, well, I know, and this is the great part about being like having such access to, uh, people, you know, I know that this podcast has inspired people, whether it's new writers that are wanting to break in, whether it's people that are just struggling in life, I've gotten plenty of just incredible emails and, uh, exchanges with people just based on this podcast, like that alone, uh, it's been every second of doing the show was worth it to, to, for, for those people to feel like they got something from this. Um, and I mean, you know, more people have listened to this, downloaded it and shared it than I possibly could have imagined. Uh, seriously, I thought like maybe five, you know, like niche, like new writers would really dig the show, but like, you know, to see, so many people in the community constantly tweet about it and, and to retweet it and to share it has been, I mean, it's just been amazing. I, I've been very fortunate that people have been so grateful um, in, in, in sharing the show. Uh, and, but yeah, I know that it's made the impact that I wanted it to. And that's why I intend to do this, uh, do a season two of the show next off season, you know, continue the guy, not to mention because there's just like so many people I could interview, you know, think about like just the fraction of, of the, of the, of the equation that I've, that I've gotten to in terms of like personalities and analysts to get on the show. Like there are so many more people I want to talk to that alone makes need for a second season. But the fact that I know that people were inspired by the show, uh, to be able to chase this dream that that's awesome it's like it's a little yeah it's it's like (laughs) Uh, uh, no it's definitely made an impact for a lot of people to listen to and i know for myself it's just 
been inspiring to hear the stories and the people's journeys just like i'm sure how everybody else that listens to this kind of feels the same way and it's good to know that you are going to do a second season because i'm sure many people are kind of wondering if you would or wouldn't so i i know personally i'm glad to hear that there's going to be a second season i look forward to that uh no i know we we usually end off the show with you know, a couple of questions to you know get us off our way but i'm going to introduce a new segment because this might be my only chance to ever host this podcast oh, wow. so i'm throwing in a, a rapid fire question segment i'm just going to ask you a few questions and you just give me a few quick answers before we uh, close this thing off so first off what happens if tyler lockett does not have an Allen robinson breakout this year um then the timetable uh, which was set on a year and a half or two and a half years since I got to LA, like the timetable before I do have that nervous breakdown and run into the mountains and live in the wilderness that will be accelerated by at least half a year. Uh, I know you're kind of notorious for saying you don't really watch many movies or TV shows and you're not into the whole pop culture thing. So like what's one movie or TV music recommendation you share to care with the audience, but please for our sake, do not give us any food takes. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> so I would say I will, I'll recommend for, for a movie. Um, no, this will count as music. Uh, I've talked, I tweeted about this. I daily dapped it on the NFL fantasy live podcast. I shared it on my Facebook. Uh, if, if we are, if you're lucky enough to be my friend there, which is actually pretty exclusive. I, I don't like friend a lot of people from the fantasy industry just cause they like to keep that's like the one place I like to keep my life private. But anyways, um, it's this documentary called Austin to Boston. Uh, it really just, it, it hit like for a number of levels for me, like the, the, the idea of being out on the road, like living a simple travel based life was awesome, but also just the musicians in it. Bears Den, Ben Howard, the staves, um, Nathaniel Rateliff, like watching that movie. It was like, Holy hell, these people are so incredibly talented. Like, so for music, those are all bands I'd recommend ch- checking out. Um, I have a Spotify playlist of it. You can check that out as well. Like they're just really talented. Um, for movies. Oh God. Our skip movies. I'll go to TV shows. Uh, t- <laughs> for TV. I would say like, I, I will always give props to, um, the wire is the greatest TV show of all time, but something new that I just started, uh, was shameless. It just came up on Netflix. It's something that my mom has been pushing me to, watch for years uh and i finally started it's a really cool show because i would definitely recommend uh checking that out and for movies i mean holy hell i really am struggling to think of like a movie that i've seen recently or i'm just not gonna answer that question <laughs> i can probably i can imagine alex like listening through like damn it harman yeah right i couldn't even i can't even name one. Oh, i'm really i really am thinking but i haven't seen any like good movies that stand out recently all right i'll let you off the hook on that one since it is your show still uh, my damn show this might even be a harder question to answer whose work in this industry do you marvel at and learn something from every time you read their content oh wow that is really hard because there's about uh, a thousand um you're, you're pushing me on this one um, I would say that, oh, well, f- for one, like anytime Rich Rebar, uh, writes something, I probably learn like t- 20 things from his writing. So that's one person that I would say. And then, like I mentioned, Chris Raybon and TJ Hernandez earlier, two guys have also been, had the privilege to meet, like those guys dig up stuff that is just so crucial to fantasy success and is really important. So 
those three guys, like for sure, are people that every time I read something of theirs, I come away feeling like I learned a, a stat or a nugget that I can drop and help my readers as well. Uh, have you gotten over the uh, Correll Patterson debacle yet? Yes, yes, and that was an such a, a huge, pivotal, important lesson to uh, like. It's so funny to go back and look at that article now and like look at Patterson's reception perception numbers and being like dude, these numbers are so bad. They're like, you know, they're like Devontae Adams level bad, but I was trying to say something before I had enough data to say it. Um, and you can make the argument that I still don't have enough data to really understand reception perception, perception yet. And that was the second article I ever published. So I was clearly like trying to make something that wasn't there. So I learned a lot from that and I have definitely gotten over it but i know that is funny because i know like who my real people are because they'll they'll still rip me for cordero patterson whereas like the other people don't really know about that as much so uh, i think some people are torn whether they follow you for your writing work or for charlie pictures so let us know something about charlie that we don't know would you say that everybody knows how emotionally complex he is do you, did you say I, I convey that enough? I mean, I might know firsthand because I gave him a gift and he just ripped it apart. So I understand the feelings, but I'm not sure everybody else does. Uh, no, you know what? I will, I will share this. And it also will go hand in hand with how much he means to me. And I think people that follow me on Twitter clearly know that. He's, he's over here under my feet right now because he knows I'm talking about him. Um, I love this dog more than I love anything. I mean, except people. Uh, I do love my, my family a lot too, but (laughs) I, Charlie has been like a constant in my life for the last, oh my God, almost like almost three, he's almost three years old. That's mind blowing to me. It'll be three in December. And so I got him, you know, about a year after I started writing and after that really horrible period of my life. And Charlie brings me that reminder every day that like, you know, it's all going to be okay. Uh, He's like a constant reminder, like a physical presence that I'm not in a dark period of my life anymore. I am, I have so much to be thankful for and and he's a big part of it. And, and having him here is, is pretty crucial. Uh, So I would say that, and, and the way our personalities rub off on each other, I think is something people probably like don't know through Twitter, but people that meet the two of us clearly understand like perfect example is on, on our road trip. Uh, everything that like we would do to do and like that was that's totally me like I'm always hesitant to like take a chance but then like I just eventually I've learned the last three years through this whole football experience like to just trust the universe and it's almost like I am the you as me like saying hey can you just trust like just trust me we're gonna get through this and now he's like this so we that's an interesting dichotomy Nice. Uh, so here's the last question from the rapid fire segment. Has anyone mentioned to you that you kind of look like Alvin the Chipmunk in your new uh, NFL Twitter avatar? I hate that avatar, and let me tell you why. Uh, for one, I should have trimmed my beard for it. I left it too long, so it looks like I don't, like, I don't even have a neck um, yeah. long for it. That's annoying. And also, like, I don't. I swear to God, I went into that photo shoot. Like, and I even said, like, I'm not going to smile with my mouth open because I don't like the way I look with when I smile with my mouth open. I prefer it to be closed. And I don't know how they got a picture of me with my mouth open, uh, smiling like off about it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull a, a, D, a diva move and go back and be like, I need a new headshot a month later or so. Yeah. I'll I'm just have to wait for a while. I'm surprised it hasn't become the new crying Jordan. 
<laughs> well, it has been crying Jordan already, of course. No, I'm surprised that that avatar isn't the new crying Jordan. Oh, sick. Thanks, Sal. That's kind of a burn on my own show. <laughs> All right. So we'll wrap this up pretty soon. Yeah, um, no, we throw around the term fantasy friendly a lot in our analysis, but no, kind of bringing that backwards. Is there anything in this industry you find fantasy unfriendly? Um, I would say being not realizing that players are humans is fantasy unfriendly. Uh, unfortunately, fantasy does kind of lead us to dehumanize the players a little bit, and that sucks. And that's something we should always be cognizant of. I've got the I've gotten the privilege to like meet players in person, you know, uh, which is great. Alan Robinson, obviously, being the the most notable one of those, and realizing that those guys are human is important because I think it makes the game more enjoyable because you get attached to like human beings' success, and that's fun, and you should feel that. But also, it just makes you more sensitive and not like an not an asshole about it. That's the problem. I hate that like fantasy players get stereotyped that way, but unfortunately, there are people out there that 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 do that. That you know, tweet at the players and they have shitty games or like. You know, I remember somebody being like, how do you how do you think Allen Robinson feels that he only had one catch during the fantasy playoffs? Which I'm like, for one, it was a one catch and a touchdown, by the way. But also, like his team won the game. I'm sure he doesn't give a shit that he had one catch during the fantasy playoffs. Like, so just I would say being not remembering that the players are humans is fantasy unfriendly. Now, as you know, since this is your show, so you really have no reason not to be prepared for this question uh, as is customary with this uh, podcast. Before you go, the floor is yours to go crazy with whatever you want to say before I, I yank it up from you, you yanking it up from me. Yeah, so I just want to thank every I want to thank everybody that has listened to this show so far and has been a part of this journey with me. It's been like I said, so incredibly awesome to to do this show and to share this with you guys and to to just do like it's been awesome. I, I so thank you so much, everybody that everybody that was a guest, everybody that listened, that downloaded, that shared the show. Just like I am forever grateful that you take your time out to listen to me, and that also extends to everybody that follows me and reads my work. Like like I think I tried to convey in the beginning of the show, like this really did doing this really did save my life and it continues to keep me going every day. And you have no idea how much it all just means to me. Like I am very, very humbled and grateful that people follow me and and pay attention. And and it's something that I never dreamed was possible, but I get to live that dream every day. And, you know, lastly, I want to thank everybody in my real life that got me here. My parents, you know, I'm not going to, we're not going to go through and literally thank everybody, but like, I had such a great support system that encouraged me to go after this. And if you're out there listening and you're one of those people, um, thank you. I just, I don't know how else to say it, but like you're, this is all a part, you're all a part of this, you know, everybody that, that had a hand in it. it it's awesome. Then thanks. <laughs> I don't know. That's all I really have to say. This question is hard to answer. <laughs> and I kind of know what everybody else feels like. Yeah, right. No, it's difficult. But yeah, it's I, I'm very grateful to so many people, you know, whether it's and God, like everybody in the community too. like, just if you had a part in this story, guys like you, Sal, Sigmund, and everybody else in between, you did have a part of it in this. And I hope you all get I hope you all get something out of my success because or whatever it is that I'm doing, like, because you're all it's all like a part of you too. 
Yeah, I think it's safe to say I can speak for everybody that's listened to this podcast that we have gotten something out of it. So thank you, Matt, for starting this podcast. Oh, well, my pleasure. <laughs> Even if it should be named the Boy Young Boy Podcast, but that's another oh, story. JJ literally <laughs> ruined my life with that nickname. <laughs> All right, so I think uh, that wraps it up. Episode 43 of the Backyard Banter Podcast with your host, Salvatore Stefanelli, and your guest, Matt Harmon. Uh, Matt, tell the people where they can find you on the TweetBot machine. Yeah, of course you can find. Yeah, I don't care. You, if you listen to this show, you can find me. I don't think we need to do that, but um, we'll just edit that. Part I want to thank. Yeah, we'll just we'll just edit that part out, of course. But uh, I I do like I'll just close out the the show here and the and the season and everything. But I really want to for one thank Sal for doing this. Sal, thank you. This is you know I think I've made it pretty clear you were a key part of my journey and and that means so much to me and. Um, yeah, so thank you for agreeing to do this. And for everybody out there that listened to season one, thank you. Um, you are awesome. Thank you so much for the support of the show. You know, thank and uh, to all the guests out there, you know, go back and listen to them. If you're just listening, this is your first one. You can listen to these podcasts anytime during the season, you know, anytime you can you can go back and revisit them. They are what they what we call evergreen. But uh yeah, so I think um I think that's gonna about wrap it up. For, for season one and for episode 43 and i'm gonna i'm gonna take the reins back from sal on my own show right now and i'm gonna close this by always do thank you so much for listening and i hope you learned something This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.